Hello, everybody, and welcome to the seventh inaugural episode of Casey and John John. Yeah, and today's the first time we're doing a remote podcast. Yeah, because uh, John John's decided to take a little trip. Yeah, and so we can't record where he is. I just wanted to so be as far away from you as legally as is legally possible during this uh, <clears throat> these unprecedented unprecedented times. Yeah, or normally you'd be in Australia, but normally you'd be in Australia. This is as good as it gets right now, I guess. Yeah. I mean, unless so, I wanted, unless I wanted to go to like Johor or something, but like, ooh, yeah. So just want, just for those murdered, for those who don't know, Johor is the southernmost state of Malaysia. Peninsula, but Malaysia. when I, I think yeah, but, Malaysia, right? I'm actually not sure. But even southernmost is still at most is an eight-hour drive, which mm-hmm. in for our American listeners, eight-hour drive is like nothing. I think. Anyway, uh, as if there are any, mm-hmm. yeah, it's it's nothing. It's really nothing. No, although to Malaysians, it's it's a crazy long drive. Anyway, anyway. Uh, as usual, we are absolutely delighted and just filled with joy that any of you would spend time with us here, listening to our podcast for the next one hour. How many listeners are we up to now, John? Um, I want to say five or six. Because whatever number it is, it's plus one now. Because I just introduced uh, this podcast to my friend in Gail, Ruben. So shout out to you, Ruby. Uh, if you don't listen, then this will, you just wasted like 30 seconds of my life. But I've, anyway. I've also been like promoting our podcast to, to people. And they say they, they, they've liked and subscribed um, and turned on the alarm notifications, but they've hit that notification bell. Listen to it is a different is a different story, lah. Mm-hmm. Yep. Mm-hmm. So um, before we begin formally for the day, uh, we have to go through our usual disclaimer, which is again to say that you know although this podcast is is hosted by two incredibly smart, talented, and witty people. It doesn't mean that everything we say is true because some of what we say is just banter and nonsense. So please use your common sense and identify what is and is not factual during this Although, to be fair, most of what we say is educational and totally factual. But Again, you say that for every podcast. And I I will still maintain that. Just to drive home the point that we are super factual and knowledgeable. I mean... Like you, we've already established that you have a pretty huge, huge uh, doctorate, and I'm a master. Huge. Yes. Yeah. But uh, again, no. It's mostly the most of the podcast is nonsense. And so, speaking of nonsense, yeah, we are going to start. Uh, since since our last podcast was, uh, we we covered the most important uh, release of the year. Yeah. Uh, which was, uh, of course, the Notice Control Two. Yeah. So it has come to our attention that apparently there were other watches that were launched on September 1st as well. Yeah. And I mean, we found we this fascinating. We were aware of it at the point because we were just so caught up in, in notice. Shout out to yeah, notice. We were- like, it would be nice if you guys promoted us, but <laughs> <laughs> you no, know, we're, we're still waiting. 
I guess we, yeah, we need so, to really get up to 10 listeners. Double digits, man. Yeah, so digits. We, we were so focused on Notice that we, uh, because I mean, they're such a pioneering brand. Yeah. So we kind of left uh, another brand by the wayside. Uh, actually, this is one of the first times I've heard of this brand. Uh, apparently, mm-hmm. it's called um, Ro- Rolex. Okay. Like, do you, do, yeah. you know what, do you know what that means? Is, is there a meaning behind the name? I, I'm actually... Or is it just like some random collection of alphabets jumbled together to sound vaguely important? Yes, and I, I think uh, it's also a sequence of letters that uh, it's supposed to be pronounceable in any language. Okay. Uh, which I, I think our friends would consider to be very lacist, if you know what yeah, I mean. Quite, because... No. Um, it's, I don't, I don't like, think, like in, in Chinese, I don't think there's a... As an equivalent for, of of low low, low, uh, low like, even I even I'm having difficulties pronouncing it because I am Chinese. It's much easier if you just say low like Yeah, low like Okay, we'll, we'll yeah, that works out. So anyway, they, they they've released um, a series of uh, new watches. Uh, uh-huh. I think they released a new submariner. Okay. Uh, during an era where everyone's gotten smaller, they've gone bigger. Uh, but we'll go more into that later. Actually, yeah, uh, yeah, there's actually a bit to talk about that. Mm-hmm, there's a lot to talk about that. Mm-hmm. Uh, they've also released a bunch of new Datejust, uh, again in a bigger size yeah. and in a variety of different colors. Yeah. And, was and there anything else? A couple of things as well. I, I think there's a Yacht Master with the Oyster Flex rubber bra- bracelet. Mm-hmm. I almost said bracelet. Bracelet. <clears throat> it's hey, it's difficult. It's difficult for us, man. It is. It is. Uh, is there anything else? I don't think there's anything else that's hugely significant. I mean, those are the um, I think there's a new Sky Dweller as well. Sky Dweller in. I want to say gold. Oh, is that the one with Oyster Flex? It might be actually. Yeah. Uh, honestly, I don't know. Uh, because, but yeah, so like we were just so focused on notice that this just really didn't matter. But exactly, and we've we've had like at the time of recording about a week plus to like stew over um, the new releases and I guess form opinions mm-hmm. and some some vaguely um, rational thoughts about it. Vaguely, I can't emphasize the word vaguely enough. Uh, um, but also for me, like super rational because I'm. I'm, I, I base my life on rationale. I really doubt that. But anyway, uh, as, as if you guys have listened to the last episode, you guys know that we had um, Cam from Notice Watches Shout on out our, Shout out Cam uh, for our first, uh, as our first guest for this podcast. So I thought, you know, like this week, um, uh, we we might want to have another guest as well. So I actually briefly considered uh, inviting someone from. Uh, I know what low lag. I, I briefly considered inviting mm-hmm. someone from low lag, uh, but I decided you know what it's let's let's not bring ourselves down to that level. Let's stick with let's stick with the bar that we've set with notice. You know, let's mm-hmm. not go below that. Yeah, like we've set our we set our bar like pretty damn high already. I mean, that's how we gain a couple more listeners. Mm-hmm. Uh, and drop back down. we should never drop back down to like episode five levels. Yes. Yeah. It, uh, 
I think we should call that the episode that we do not speak of. Yeah, the episode yeah. that will not be named. Yes. So, uh, <laughs> you know what? Let's let's get started. Um, what what do we want to start with first? What what do you think? Submariner or Datejust? Let's start with the sub. Okay. Because, so, I mean, after all, that is the most hyped piece, right? As as it always is. Um, as it always it's, is. it's always the, wants the steel spot. Yeah, steel sports model because there's a sign that you literally no other steel sports dive watch that you can get in the world. In the world, in the world, in the world. So yeah, you want to go over like the the changes between the new uh, sub and the old sub. Sure. Yeah. Um, so okay, new movement. Mm-hmm. Slightly bigger, supposedly mm-hmm. 40 mils to 41 mils. Yep. But we'll get into that a bit later. And thinner lugs. And of well, course, new colors, but that's thinner about it. lugs. Great. But, yeah, thinner lugs. but wider lug width. Yes. So. From 20 to 21, which is so fucking annoying. But then again, Everyone. let's face it, the, ma- the vast majority of people who are getting this watch aren't going to be taking it off the bracelet anyway. So, Yeah. But um, I think we, we can start with that. Uh, the, the lug width thing. Uh, okay, th- you know what? Let's just talk about it as a whole. So firstly, I think generally in the watch world right now, mm-hmm. a lot of people have been trending smaller. Yeah rather than bigger yeah and rolex has clearly decided to go in the opposite direction and go with 41 very innovative yeah and uh, i guess you know what 41 is not really a huge change 40 to 41 and also i would say visually because of the thinner lug widths i mean obviously we can't tell for sure until we actually see the say the the real thing um which will probably never waiting list lifetimes Mm-hmm. Um, visually, the thinner lug widths should make it look smaller. Yeah, like, it should. Like, okay, we're, we're talking about the 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 five digit series uh-huh. compared to the six digits when they went with the maxi case. It's a, the watches are both the same size, but visually, the 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 maxi case looks so big because of the stupid thick lugs. Yeah, that's exactly right. And uh, I mean, the the thinner lugs, it, it's sort of like the maxi case was, I think, as close as uh, Lolek have ever gotten to a cushion case. Yeah. In in a sense, like it had very broad shoulders and, mm-hmm. and a, a very thick lug. I don't think we can say lug width because it's just a lug that will stick. Yeah. Yeah. And I think uh, one of your friends, uh, Garactical on Instagram, uh-huh. Suguru Nishioka. Uh-huh. He's your friend, right? I think. Um, From Hudi. From no, Hudiki, Japan? Oh, no. That's, Masa, that's Masaharu. Oh, okay. Okay. Because uh, yeah. uh, this guy actually posted up a series of uh, comparison shots between the new Seiko uh, Captain Willard mm-hmm. and uh, 
I think an old five-digit Rolex sub. Uh, sorry, no, a Tudor Snowflake sub. Okay. Which is basically the same case. Yeah, basically the same case, right? Yeah, and he sort of illustrated the way that uh, the turtle looks a lot bigger mm -hmm. because of the cushion case. Yeah. But it's actually narrower lug to lug. Yeah. And it ends up wearing better on the wrist. I see. So, you know, like, again, numbers don't mean everything. Yeah. yeah. I think we discussed, this, we discussed this at some point, right? I think last, probably in the last episode with uh, Notice and yep. discussing the new contrail, the house mm -hmm. size, sizes and everything. Yeah. To a certain and extent. Some, mm -hmm. <laughs> and the whole Seiko, you know, with the scalloped case, the way it, it, it swoops in from the mid case towards yeah. the case back. Yeah, and and they curve it as well to fit the wrist. So again, there's so much more that goes into how a, a watch wears on the wrist than just pure size. Yeah, yeah. So, uh, I I speaking about the lug width at 21 mm, mm -hmm. I sort of get the feeling that Rolex is almost messing with people. I f I feel like with every year's release there's always something um just some way of like messing with the expectations of their customers because okay first mm -hmm. of all <clears throat> every year people just complain about regardless what they release people are going to complain anyway yeah like uh i think last year I was like oh you know we Oh, how how innovative you guys released uh what the the Pepsi GMT with a jubilee on a jubilee bracelet. Oh well, you know why why isn't it on the, on an oyster, etc. Cetera, etc. Cetera? Like mm -hmm. people will find something to complain about about it, but it's gonna be sold out anyway. Slash because yeah, slash is just gonna go straight to like gray market dealers at double the price. Double. Yeah. Um, but I think the other thing here is that Rolex has such a huge uh -huh. uh, aftermarket support. Mm -hmm. You know, there are so many companies out there making uh, fitted rubber straps, mm -hmm. and you know, all all that sort of like straps and things that are specifically designed for Rolex watches. Like the like Everest Everest bands, is it? Yeah, yeah, that was the one. So that kind of goes out the window a little bit now because it's twenty one. Well, I guess they just have to start making twenty one mm uh, bands. Yeah, but the thing is, for a, a for a fitted rubber band, mm -hmm. I think a lot of work goes into that rather than just. Like, oh, let's just scale up to one one extra millimeter. Yeah, because I'm sure they have to do some other things in order to make sure that it fits the case well again. Mm -hmm. Yeah, so again, sort of like a way to mess with that market, I feel. The the people who want to, like, customize their watch in a way, which we'll get, we'll get to that in another episode. Yeah, we'll we'll oh maybe That's why everyone everyone should like subscribe, <clears throat> get notifications, and also listen all the way through because like you never like you you'll find out 
what the next episode is some at some point in within our within our podcast. So like here we go, sixteen minutes in, you you're learning about the the next episode and you will be anticipating it now. But do we even do we even know what we're talking about in the next episode? Uh well I'm not sure that we do. Well not it doesn't necessarily have to be the next episode, but it will be uh, and in the future, mm, fair enough. But yeah, I mean, o- overall, what what are your thoughts on the new submarine? W- would you get one? No. I I no. actually kind of noticed that you don't really have any interest in any modern Rolex, from what I've seen. Not really. Yeah. Is is there a reason behind that? Um. So let's let's go through what you have. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You you have a five digit sub. Thanks thanks for flexing on my behalf, by the way. No worries, always <laughs> here to help. Yeah, five digit sub. Uh, and the, the fake Daytona. Daytona. Yeah, the fake Daytona. Yeah, the, the it's not even a, it's not even a Rolex movement for God's sakes. Yeah, it's a it's a detuned Zenith movement. Yeah, it's like they took yeah. they took a movement that is an iconic movement and made it mm-hmm. work. Yeah, it's like taking a 2JZ engine and yeah. putting it in a BMW M3 mm-hmm. and then detuning the engine for yeah. lower power. Yeah. That's, that's the equivalent that's of what. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, yeah, why, why, why do you have these two? I don't know if you call it. Vintage, I, also, I, but also have, I also have a five digit Explorer 2. Oh, yeah, you do. The Polar yeah. Explorer. Yeah, I actually kind of like that one. But we'll get into that again. Yeah. Uh, why, why do you have these and not a new one? Well, I don't like the new ones. I just don't like how it looks. I don't like I don't like the maxi cases. Actually, mm-hmm. yeah, for me, it's plainly as an aesthetics thing. Like okay, the it's a maxi thing. It's a yeah. I really like I I hated those maxi cases. Obviously, okay, with the new Explorer two. Or the latest Explorer Two, um, where it's forty-two mm as well. Yeah. Um, yeah, like the smaller, older model just appeals much more to me. Mm-hmm. From it's a proportions thing. Uh, aesthetics, yeah, proportions correct. Like even even with the original Kermit, for example. Mm-hmm. With the maxi dial within the the old the old five digit cases, it oh, just, that exists. Yeah, that they, that so the Kermit was that was the and that was an anniversary model for of the sub if I remember correctly, and that came, that was like the first one with the maxi dials. So like the so it's a- are are bigger than what was what is on my my sub for example so it's a five digit case but with maxi dial is that right yeah Mm -hmm. oh okay i I actually legitly never knew that i thought the maxi dial can show you i can show you one day so so much education yeah but uh Again, I thought the maxi dials came with the maxi cases. That sounds even weirder, I think. Because that was like a transition period. Okay. So there was overlap. 
there was an there was a bit of an overlap if I if I remember, if I remember correctly. Okay, I'm not like don't don't take my work as gospel for once, mm-hmm. but. I believe that was the introduction of the the maxi dials. Okay. Yeah. So I mean, as so for you, you don't like the way the new watches look. No. For me, mm-hmm. uh, I'm actually just not a fan of Lolek overall, yeah. as I think you know. Yeah, we have uh, discussed. Yep. Yeah. So, I mean. Don't don't get me wrong. I I don't think that Rolex makes a bad watch. On the contrary, I think Rolex makes a very good watch. Yeah, is just not a watch that I am at all interested in. Mm-hmm. Firstly, because of the hype around Rolex as a brand. Yeah, uh, I think there's just way too much hype. I don't. Again, don't get me wrong. Rolex makes a good watch, but it's not oh, a watch. Well. Sorry. Would you say there's also a reason for the hype because they make good watches or or is it really just because of the name? Uh, I think, again, we, we've been talking about proportions and I think the issue of proportion comes here again because mm-hmm. I don't think Rolex necessarily makes a watch that deserves that level of hype. Okay, yeah. Yeah, there are other brands out there that make watches that are as good if not better, and mm-hmm. get nowhere near the amount of hype that Rolex gets. And also readily available. Yeah. No, you know. at a premium either. Yeah. It's, it's like so, Alpha Texas. Yeah. You never we'll really own it as well. Sorry? We'll get into this later as well when we, yeah. when we discuss like alternatives. Mm-hmm. Because it's like, you know, the way... Patek Philippe says, uh, you never really own a Patek Philippe. You merely take care of it for the next generation. Yeah. Right? Yeah. Uh, You're on the way Rolex, to the next generation. Yep. Yeah, you never really own a Rolex. You're just on the waiting list so that your son can get one someday. Yeah. Yeah. And I don't know. I, I'm just not a fan of that. And I think I've shared this story with you before, but not with our audience, mm-hmm. uh, of this... Uh, Rel- let's just say a relative of mine. Yeah. Um, you, as you know, I have the JLC Master Control Sector Down. Flex. Flex on my part. Uh, so I, I was wearing it for some family gathering or other. Mm-hmm. And this relative of mine saw it and I was like, hey, uh, that's an interesting looking watch. What is it? So I said, oh, this is a JLC Master Control. So I was like, oh, okay. Uh, then he asked me how much I paid for it. So I told him. And then he just had this like look of shock on his face. Yeah. And he was like, for that amount of money, you could have bought a Rolex. Yeah. And I think that's the point where I knew that I would never own a Rolex. Yeah. Yeah. Cause I, I don't know that, that, that mentality, I guess mm-hmm. just turns me off the whole brand. And because I think Rolex is a brand that is owned by a lot of people who are not necessarily watch enthusiasts. Mm-hmm. They've got a very wide customer base, I think, that covers both enthusiasts and non-enthusiasts. Mm-hmm. Uh, like we mentioned earlier, you know, it's a kind of watch that you get when you want to tell people you've made it. Yeah. Uh, so yeah, that I just lost interest in the brand as a whole. 
ever since that experience. Mm-hmm. So I think, clearly speaking, I think the two of us are not Rolex's uh, target customer base. No, probably not. Because, like, I mean, there's no way in hell I would want to pay a premium for a watch that should be readily available. Yeah. Like, a lot, a lot of it is just based on... Yeah, it's based on the market, like supply and demand, but it's also an... You know, it's an artificial... Um, scarcity. Yeah, an artificially caused scarcity, just so there's all this hype behind it. Mm-hmm. And I think that that's a topic that we could really get into in depth. But I think before we go into that, uh, yeah. I think we can safely say that we're not interested in the new submariners. No. I think that's safe to say. So uh, <laughs> why don't we move on to the next launch, which was the Oyster Perpetuals, I think. Yes. Uh, yeah. Now available in 41mm, and they've gotten rid of the 39s. Yeah. So again, yeah. moving up in size. Yeah, correct. Um, and yeah, I suppose as like the, the 39mm we discussed before, like it's a very sweet spot mm-hmm. in terms of sizes. Um, like it wears comfortably on either men's or women's wrists. Anyone's wrists. Really. Anyone's wrists, really. Let's, let's not, let's not get into like, let's not shoehorn people into genders, right? Yeah. And plus I'm well, sure I have another topic for a completely different podcast. Yeah. And I'm sure I have wrists that are smaller than a lot of ladies as well. Mm. Yeah. So uh, again, they, they got rid of 39. So they moved to 41. I think they've continued the 36. Yeah. And the 34 ladies version as well. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So other than that, what's new in the Oyster Perpetuals? Um, new movement. Again. Yep. <laughs> new movement and new dial colors. Yeah, a bunch of different colors this time. Fantastic. Yeah. And that's our podcast for the day. Thanks for tuning in. All right. Thanks, everyone. Catch you in the next episode. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah, um, the, the new colors that Rolex has released, um, yes. I think there is now a green dial, I think. Mm. There are, there's a whole bunch of dial colors. What caught my eye was Tiffany the blue? blue one. Like yeah. that, is, that is actually gorgeous. Um, but yeah, there's a green one. There's like a mustard yellow one. There's a bright red one. And there's a like a lilac. I guess lilac would probably be the term for this color. Oh no, like we're, we're guys, so like we we don't see color as well yeah, as that's true. we don't we don't know words like lilac. Yeah. Officially it's called candy pink. That's that's great. And isn't there also a new sort of champagne colored dial? Um Yes. Is that new? I think it's new, right? I think that's under forty one. Okay. And Honestly, the, the oh, champagne yeah. color one reminds me of like the old classic. Um, I think yeah, I think Air Kings had those kind of colors on it before. It does. Yeah. And it also has almost like 
guilt hands. Yeah. Yeah. So that's actually kind of an interesting one. I yeah. think out of all the releases, I think that mm-hmm. is the one that looks the most interesting, at least to me. Well, I think I think you know mine. Like I'm very, I'm very for this Tiffany blue dial. That's that's yeah. gorgeous. I, yeah. so, I'm, I'm a fan. I'm a fan of of these of these colors. But mm-hmm. would I get it on a Rolex? Probably yeah, not. So let's, again, here's the thing, though. There have been people, I think, who have been clamoring for different colored Rolexes. Yeah. You know, like, people who have been asking, you know, like, hey, Rolex, like, stop making the standard silver sunburst dial, black dial, like, give us some colors. And so mm-hmm. I guess in this case, Rolex is actually listening to people. Hey, to be fair, there already are colored dials for the Oyster Perpetuals and Datejust as well. Uh, what colors? Just I, I'm... Um, the, the only one I was aware of was the blue one. No, there there are way more colors as well. There's there's uh there's like a purple one, just like just off the top of my head, but it's not like these bright, vibrant colors. Yeah, yeah, you're actually right. I remember that purple one. I think it was kind of popular for a while. I think. Yeah, yeah. Okay, fine, fair. They, they do exist in some form, but not like. Look at all this color, you know. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, this this has been their loudest release in terms of colors. I think. Oh yeah, easily, especially this red one. Yeah, which again, when I first looked at it, I honestly thought was orange. Hmm. Yeah, I, I thought it was an almost like yeah. Yeah, it's almost a doxa orange kind of thing from what mm-hmm. I saw. So, uh yeah, I mean. Again, they've they've moved up in size to forty one. Yeah, uh, they've gotten rid of the sweet spot thirty nine, yeah. and they've left the thirty six there. Uh, and the only new thing is again the movement and the colors. Yeah. And we we actually did uh, discuss this briefly. Uh, the whole color thing. Yeah, so there has been demand for colorful Rolexes, and there has been a market for it as well. So yeah. there have been. Um, I don't know what the proper term for it is. I guess aftermarket customizers mm-hmm. who have been sort of painting these dial colors. And, and I think it's been going on for a while as well. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So uh, one of the interesting things that I saw was uh, this brand called La Californian. I, I yeah. don't know how you pronounce that. Uh, the, they actually put on your best food of Fafa accent and then and then say it. La Californian. Uh-huh. <laughs> but yeah, so the, these guys apparently have been sort of making uh, watches that were, you know, they, they take old date just and stuff like that. Yeah. And then they change the color of the dial and then they sell it. Mm-hmm. And they actually got sued into oblivion. Yeah. Um, I think just maybe last year or something like that. Mm-hmm. In the very, very near, like uh, very recent history. Mm-hmm. Uh, and it, it's again, it's kind of interesting to me because if you were to actually go and look at these old, uh, look at these pictures from La Californian, 
Yeah. Uh, there are pictures of Rolexes, old Rolexes again. Sometimes they just uh, they date even uh, oyster petrols mm-hmm. with this Tiffany blue color and red and yellow and all of these colors that basically Rolex has released. Yeah. Yeah, but I, if I'm not mistaken, I think this company has been doing this for a long time. Okay. So but why has Rolex only sued them now? I guess because they are prepared to release a new line of very colorful watches. Yep. So the thing is, they actually sued this company and they mm-hmm. won. Of the, the judge actually, yeah, the judge actually agreed with Rolex that apparently this was not fair use and this was basically infringing on the copyright of uh, Rolex, despite mm-hmm. the fact that it's a vintage watch. Yeah. Uh, I think the reason here being that they would take old watches, repaint them, and they would reprint the word Rolex on it. I see. Okay. Yeah. So I guess in the eyes of the law, that again, I'm not, I'm not a lawyer. Shout out Marshall mm-hmm. if you have a comment. <laughs> Let us know, uh, but yeah, the, the court decided that you know that's not that's not fair use anymore. If mm-hmm. you're gonna reprint okay. uh, the word and the emblem Rolex and then sell for a profit, in that sense, I guess it's fair enough. Yeah, so I mean, the market has been there. I guess Rolex is just kind of like, okay, you guys want colors? Mm-hmm. Here you go. Yep, but but then also going back to. Would you get, well, I know you wouldn't. I've already said no. Because, I mean, let's face, like, in in my opinion, if I wanted to get mm-hmm. a colorful watch like this, mm-hmm. it would have to be at however much they're asking for an Oyster Perpetual, which is, let's see, $5,600 USD. Mm-hmm. And that's also subject to availability, which... I'm very sure it's not going to be hanging around the shops for long. Yeah, I'm sure there's enough hype that it's going to fly off the shelves. Well, yeah, of course. Yeah. And uh, I think we addressed this in the previous episode, I think episode four, where we were talking about how Rolex is sort of like the brand that maintains the status quo. Yeah. Because... Uh, I think I made a joke that when people were saying, oh, do you know Rolex released a new watch? And I was like, oh, they've released a new watch for the first time since 1954. Yeah. <laughs> and uh, whereas Tudor is sort of like their experimental brand. You know, yeah. if you want to try something new, you try with Tudor first. Yeah. And if it pans out, then you bring it to Rolex, mm-hmm. which is why I think Tudor got like all kinds of, uh, you know, vintage releases and things that uh, Rolex wouldn't normally do. Yeah. So I think, since we've established that both of us would not get any of the new Rolexes, yeah, uh, by choice at least. Mm-hmm. What if I said that you have, if you had to pick a new Rolex, yeah, what would you choose? I'd I'd go with this Tiffany blue or the Perpetual man. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I'm, I, I feel I'm a big fan of I'm a big fan of uh, colorful watches, mm-hmm. well, color in general, really. Yeah. Um, yeah, just it's it's fun. Yeah, I guess. Yeah. So, but but you wouldn't actually go out and buy one, right? But I wouldn't actually go out and buy one. Mm-hmm. So I would probably choose the champagne now. Okay. Because 
if I were ever to get a Rolex, it would only be the vintage models. Yeah. Uh, vintage uh, explorers. Oh, uh, like me. Mm-hmm. Well, that's and, more neo, neo vintage, I suppose. Well, not the Explorer 2, the Explorer 1. Okay. And also, I think uh, Shen lent me his, I don't remember what it's called. Mm-hmm. The old, um, is it 6694? Man, I don't know these numbers. Dude, I don't know, I don't know numbers either. Yeah, it, it's basically a very basic manually wound Rolex. Uh, okay. Grayed out. Mm-hmm. It, it actually looks kind of good. And mm-hmm. if I were to buy a vintage Rolex, that would probably be it. Mm-hmm. Uh, but yeah, I think this, nah. But just uh, nah. I, no, I again uh, no low light how to flex. Can so I think this is where we go into <laughs> alternative. Mm-hmm. For the money, yeah. Okay, let's let's not talk premium prices and uh, just second and RRP. RRP for the RRP of a submariner, I would probably rather get an Omega Seamaster. Yeah, because you're getting you're getting um, an incredible movement. Mm-hmm. Mm, I guess unique design. You're talking about you're talking about the Seamaster Pro, uh, Seamaster Pro, right? Yeah, correct. Yeah. So, uh, and it's, it's watch. correct. So, it, it's a watch that's I think slightly more left field. Yeah. Uh, some, again, some it's uh, an outhouse design. <laughs> <laughs> That's a little bit of an inside joke. Uh, that's quite an inside joke. <laughs> it really is. But uh, I mean, for I mean, for that kind of money, I think you get so much more with a Seamaster. Mm-hmm. And for all of Rolex's so-called um, scarcity, like how rare a Rolex is supposed to be, Mm-hmm. I, if you were to go on the street at any time, you will see a lot more Rolexes than you would an Omega Seamaster. Yeah. Like I Hands said, down. I mean, the supply, the supply is there. It's just not in the right chains, right? Yeah, exactly. So, what what would your alternative be to a Submariner? What would my alternative be? Huh. For I don't know how much new sub goes for. I'm I'm gonna guess like sixty eight hundred dollars, close to seven thousand probably. No, no, I'm, I'm more. Gonna, definitely more. Let me let okay. me quickly, let me quickly look that up. Yeah, but I want to say it, maybe maybe I'm like quoting Australian prices, but probably about ten. Ten thousand Australian dollars. Like uh, USD, sorry. No way, no way. That can't be right. That's a lot of money. I could get two Seamasters for that price. Hmm. Then buy two Seamasters, lah. Yeah, I would. If I had the money to buy a sub, I would get two Seamasters instead. Bye. So why is it so hard what, to find? Because nobody pay no. It's not relevant. Nobody pays the RRP. 
<laughs> like nobody nobody cares. Okay, okay a, a no date, a no date sub is eight eighty one hundred USD. The date is a okay. thousand more. That's great. Yeah, because that's how much it takes. And the the it. new the new um sermit as the mm-hmm. As the Kermit is now called, because it's a ceramic bezel, so the Sermit is nine thousand five hundred and fifty USD. That's wonderful. So, yes. what would your alternative watch be at that price point? Um, that's a that's a good question. I know. I'm a great. I, You don't, hmm. you don't have any options? I don't, like, in terms of dive watches. Mm-hmm. Okay, something unique would be actually the, the, that Nomos dive watch. Okay, the sport, yeah. whatever I can remember what it's called. Okay. Ahoy, I think. I think it's the Ahoy. Is that strictly a dive watch? Is there a dive bezel on that? Uh no, there's no dive bezel on it. That's which, not a dive watch. Which is weird, but it's good to three hundred meters. Yeah, so it's a it's a it's an overly it's a watch that you can go to three hundred meters with, but completely useless. <laughs> so yeah, so it's an overly robust sports watch. Yes, it's not but, a dive watch. Who's who's gonna take one of these watches down? down to the depth that it's rated for. I don't know, man. Most of us use it in the swimming pool at most. (laughs) Um, But yeah, if if I set a watch with a dive vessel, what mm -hmm. would you do? How much are the... Do you know how much the the Glashuta dive watches are? Oh, I don't. But I, I'm sure it's around the same price, if not slightly less. Like honestly, that. Yeah, yeah. Those are or, those are cool. I would I would say the 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 like another another option. Mm-hmm. Okay, this is this is definitely not looking at the uh, RRP, but instead of more of like the market rate. But at that uh, at that kind of price, the Breguet marine oh okay yeah mm. like it's a phenomenally good looking watch you know what else is a really good looking watch at that price the Blancpain Batiscape ah oh, yes that's a that's a good yeah. watch yes that's a very good looking watch again too big though I think it's 43 I think mm-hmm. a little too big for my taste but mm-hmm. it's such a good watch Um, okay, so I think we have dive watches covered. I think dive watches are a plenty. Uh, and I think a final note, I think I would also say I would actually go, uh, you know what? At, frankly, at for $10,000, I would just get like 12 uh, notices. Sorry, no die. No die. Yeah. You know why? Because you never die. No die. Only leaf. Oh, my God. Okay. Uh, uh, we haven't been, We actually haven't been really funny this episode. This is like purely factual stuff. It's, it's been very serious. 
Yeah, it really yeah. Okay. because Lolek ma, Lolek have to be serious. Have to be serious. Mm. Cannot joke. Uh, cannot. No joke no one. Way. No joke one. Mm. So okay, the Oyster Perpetual. I think it's it's not a dive watch. It's a very good daily watch. Uh, that you could wear. Uh, if you were to talk about Gada, go anywhere, do anything. Mm-hmm. Uh, from you know, as the cliche goes, from the boardroom to the beach. Mm-hmm. The, the Oyster Perpetual, I think, is a is a good watch that fulfills. Not, not necessarily, not necessarily with these colors, though. Yeah, again, that's true. Uh, but just in general, the Oyster mm-hmm. Perpetual, I think, is a pretty good choice for that sort of thing. Mm-hmm. So, what would your alternative be for that? Like a a, a Gada watch at fifty? Was it fifty six hundred? Yeah, about fifty six hundred. Yeah, what what would you go for at that price? Other than uh, ten, no, they are. Um, <laughs> we're really we're really pushing um notice, aren't we? Yeah, we're we're trying to get that sponsorship. Even if the, even if the sentiments are not um, reciprocated, we're we're trying to get that sponsorship deal. We're trying to get that. We're, we're trying to get there. Yeah. Um, so I think your normal sport would actually be a good fit here. Hey, uh, purely not being biased here, but the Grand Seiko Snowflake. Oh yeah, true. Yeah, true. Great that's, watch. That's definitely Gada. Um, for a lot cheaper, mm-hmm. normal club. For a lot cheaper than that, dress KX. <sighs> I I'm not I'm not pushing anything. I don't have a deal. Anything. anything? Yeah, you're not you're not biased either. I'm not biased. I just love that watch. It's definitely not cause I have one. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, I mean, again, for that sort of price, I think something like a Globemaster or Aquaterra. Oh, yes. Um, in fact, in fact, if people are looking at getting either a Datejust or, or an Oyster Perpetual, I would, I'm like, I would tell them just why, why not, why don't you consider Omega? Because the Globemaster, it's, it's First phenomenal. It's a it's a much better movement. Yep. It's a much better movement. Um, and it also has that the quick set hour function. So if you're mm-hmm. traveling, it's so easy to just set the time. Yep. And it's a phenomenally good looking watch as well. And it's something unique. Yeah. But the thing is, if you're looking at buying a Rolex, you're not really buying it for the because it's unique. Because you want to have something different, it's mm-hmm. it's because you want a Rolex. Because you want a Rolex, yeah. And uh, I think oh, price appreciation and all like maintaining value, etc., etc. That that is an ir- irrefutable point, I think, because mm-hmm. Rolexes don't really lose that much value in comparison to other watches. No. Yeah, uh, but for for my money, I think what I would get. I think for a little bit more than $5,800 is the JLC uh, Master, Master, oh God, I can't remember what it's called. I think it's the Geophysic True Second. 
Okay. I think that's, that's the one with the, the was it dead beat? Yeah, the the dead beat seconds. Nice. Again, just again a, a phenomenal movement. Mm-hmm. JLC, one of the best movement makers out there, and again, just such a good looking watch. Yeah. Versus, you know, honestly, I'm just gonna say a run of the mill Rolex. Yeah. True. Because it re- really is a run of the mill watch. There's nothing that stands out apart from the fact that it's a Rolex. Mm. Like when, when people see when people see they they immediately know what it exactly it is. And I'd rather they didn't. I guess that's the thing. It's like people people buy this watch so to be seen, to be noticed. It's a flex. It's a flex, thing, correct? Yeah. So I think we, we touched on this briefly. I think we can go into it. Uh, the whole artificial scarcity thing mm-hmm. with Rolex. Mm-hmm. So Rolex, if I'm not mistaken, like from industry numbers, Rolex makes something in the region of 1 million watches a year. Yeah. Yeah. Which I think is one of the highest numbers amongst the Swiss, a uh, big really? Swiss company. I believe you said it's even more than Omega, right? Yeah, I think Omega makes like 800,000. Mm-hmm. Uh, a company like JLC, I think is only five digits. It's something like 50,000 or something like mm-hmm. that. So if you really want to talk about rarity and scarcity, yeah, uh, just by just by numbers, mm. the JLC, a JLC is like 20 times rarer than a Rolex. Yes, but it doesn't have a crown on on the uh, on the dial. It also doesn't have a waiting list or a premium price. No. Yeah. So, again, I would just walk into a JLC and buy one mm-hmm. on the spot and walk mm-hmm. out rather than wait on a waiting list to get a watch that should be readily available. Hey, man, but here's a, here's a thing about um, human psychology. It's to show that you have something that the other person doesn't have. Which again, a lot of other people have. Yeah, <laughs> that's that's the irony of it, isn't it? Yeah, it's, it's either it, other people have it, or it's in some grey market dealer. Yeah, because I can't even imagine the conversation that goes on between a bunch of Rolex owners. Yeah, do they actually walk around and go like, "Hey, oh, you have a Rolex? I have a Rolex too." Like, how long did you wait for yours? I'm pretty sure there are Rolex enthusiasts clubs. Yeah. That oh, you only waited six months? Do that. I waited one year leh, for my Rolex. <laughs> how, well, how much? I don't know what is the bigger, is the bigger flex like, oh, I didn't have to wait long to receive mine or it's like, hey, look how long I can wait for, my, for what I want to get. You know what? It's a Rolex. They're both flexes. True. Fair enough. Uh, just in the same way that it is also a flex if you told someone, oh, I got it at retail price. I think that's probably the biggest flex. No, because I think an equally big flex is probably someone going like, oh, I paid way over retail to get this first. <laughs> that's also a flex. Yeah, that's a, that's a good point. And, and I think, again, I'm not sure, mm-hmm. but I think Hans Wildorf, when he started the brand in 19... 19- 19 what? I, I don't know what their year was. Yeah. yeah. 
I think the reason why he called it Rolex is because it's a royal flex. <laughs> that explains the crown. Yes. Yeah, so it, that it, it's it's a crown, and mm-hmm. that explains the name. I did, think. But the, did the term flex exist back in nineteen whenever? I, I don't. I don't think language evolves. You know. I think whatever we say now is things that people used to say in Victorian England. So yeah, you old England. Yeah. So I, I'm fairly certain the word flex existed back then. Okay. So yeah, like he, the, the whole article. You're the one with the huge. You're the you're the one with a pretty huge doctorate. Yeah, I am. Uh, uh, again, though, to clarify, I don't actually have a PhD. I just have a medical degree. Not really the same thing. No. No, but Not it is a. I I guess technically it's a doctorate, which is why I'm a doctor. I guess. Yeah. I guess. Is that right? Yeah. Yeah, I guess so. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, I mean, this artificial scarcity thing where they kind of make you wait and then you pay over the retail price for it. Mm-hmm. And it's just, I mean, it's an unhealthy market, if you ask me. Not really. Yeah. And like you address the whole human psychology thing. Yeah. It's, I think it's what is called the Veblen good. Mm-hmm. Meaning, I think uh, it was started by some economist, I think. Mm-hmm. And the Veblen good is basically a good that does not really have actual physical value, mm-hmm. meaning, uh, meaning luxury goods, basically. Yeah. So you have like a car that can get you from point A to point B, and mm-hmm. you also have luxury vehicles that also get you from point A to point B, but you get the flex. Yeah. I mean, of course, it comes with more comfort, more power, things like that. But mm-hmm. at the end of the day, his point was it doesn't really serve any additional function. It serves the same function, yeah. except you get flex. Except you feel better about yourself. Yeah. And again, same thing with watches, I feel. Watches are a Veblen good. I mean, even I would say even with your, with your uh, dress KX, mm-hmm. that in a way is also like you don't need it. I don't. You can like, tell time with your phone. Yeah, exactly. Or you just look up in the sky and just look at the position of the sun and just guess approximate. Yeah, I'm sure family members will appreciate that. You know, when uh, I, when I time the birth of a baby <laughs> or or the death of a loved one, and just like yeah. uh, hold on, I wait. Uh, I have to go outside look at the sun for a while. <laughs> Mine got no window, man. Then. Well, maybe the window is not facing where the sun is right now. True. Yeah. Like the sun, oh, the sun kind of revolves around the Earth, so it's like changing position all the time. Yeah. So you have to go out, or I have to go on a roof and take a proper look. Yeah. You know. Like and could, if it's nighttime, it could be south. It could be like behind the Earth. Yeah. And that that's the thing. If it's behind the Earth and it's nighttime. Yeah. Then how am I supposed to guess the time? Yeah. Uh, I just I just put two a.m. lah. Yeah. Kenla. But I mean, yeah, I mean, it, you, you just, uh, we have this term in Malaysia, it's called aga aga. Mm-hmm. You can use it for, it basically like just, a, basically means like approximate, right? 
approximation. Roughly. Or like, yeah, yeah, like roughly. But it's a very colloquial term. Very colloquial. But it's useful yeah, in like, situations, especially telling the time. And and cooking. And cooking. Yeah, so if we go to, if we were to go on a brief tangent, uh, when I tried to learn a recipe from my mom, mm-hmm. uh, then I asked her, like, okay, so how much salt do you put? Like one teaspoon, two teaspoons, or like, uh, she's just like, oh, no, like roughly this much. Like, then she takes a pinch in her hands and then she yeah. puts it on. Look, and I'm like, yeah. The thing, you need to invoke the spirit of your ancestors. Yeah. You like, do. Cooking is all about aga, aga. spirits in and they guide you. You know, you know when in, in Pocahontas, where they say paint with all the colors of the wind, um, uh-huh. in with all your, all your ancestor spirits, uh, ancestors behind your back, like watching you. Yeah. Just berating you. It's like, Hey, why put so much? Huh? Too much hey, this one, you put more. What wow, You don't know how to cook one, man. Can you know? Oh, man. I, I, I don't even want to really save that all the nonsense for like right at the end. So like, if you've, if you're still tuning in and you were like waiting for us to spot more nonsense than we have for the, over the past 50, 50 something minutes. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Been pretty serious. Yeah. Until this point. Until this point. I think, yeah. I think this is like a lot of pent up tension. It's like getting blue balls. And then we have a sudden release, and it's like, here we are. <laughs> An apt description. But uh, I think on the other hand, if you were listening to this point and you were hoping that we would continue on this informative and uh, knowledge-based talk, knowledge. then I think you'd yeah, you'd be sorely disappointed, I think. Well... Talking about artificial scarcity and um, good. The oyster, and the oyster perpetual, basically being like the run of the mill, your basic entry level Rolex, and honestly, that should be readily available, right? Mm-hmm. If you want to in, introduce pe- more people into your brand, not like not like they really have to, but yeah, they do. But if they if they wanted to. It really should be there, but there are actually a lot of alternatives. If you want a colorful dialed watch, yeah, and right. actually, you know, let's just talk for a second about what Rolex watches are readily available. Um, all the all the disgusting stuff with the diamonds and and nonsense, the bejeweled precious yeah. metal ones. Yeah. So isn't that the irony of this luxury product? The fact that the bejeweled precious precious metal ones are the ones that you can walk, are the only ones where you can walk into a Rolex at any time and buy. Whereas the ones that are made from steel, the commonest metal, are the ones that are super difficult to get and that you have to wait for. Benevolent good. Yeah, I, I, I think that's just such an, such a bit of irony, I think. Yeah. And again, because I'm not a Rolex customer, so I don't know how true this is. Mm-hmm. But there, there have been um, little things, I think, stories that I've heard from people who just for fun, apparently, went onto Rolex, uh, went into Rolex stores yeah. after these new releases. 
boxes and they ask, like, hey, I want to get uh, one of these. Can I get on the waiting list? Yeah. And according to this guy, I, I can't remember who it was, but I read uh, this, I think the stories on Instagram from him. Uh-huh. He said that uh, the, the Rolex guy apparently told him that, sorry, we only uh, put loyal customers on our waiting list. Oh, really? And he walked in with a five-digit sub on his wrist. Yeah. So I, I think uh, I had a brief conversation with him about it. And I think uh, what it means by loyal customer is you are someone who has bought, you know, a couple of uh, these bejeweled, readily available gold watches mm-hmm. that nobody wants. Mm-hmm. And then you walk in with one of those, fine, you're a loyal customer. Okay. If you walk in with a five-digit sub, mm-hmm. that's vintage. You're not a loyal customer. You bought a watch like 20 years ago. That's yeah. not loyal. Yeah. How dare you not buy from us over the past yeah. 20 years? Yeah. You And now you want to get on our waiting list? Fuck off. Even, even though I would say that people... Maybe maybe this is, this is coming from a bit of internal bias, but I would say people with the, with the five digits, like... Those are the, the true enthusiasts. But are true enthusiasts. I'm not a flex or a bias, but like the ones with the five-digit ones are, I would say, are true enthusiasts of the brand. But are the true enthusiasts the same as the loyal customers? And I think they're not. No. They're not. So in conclusion, I think, um, we, I think we've spoken at length about this. So... Uh, my advice to anyone uh, who wants to buy a new Rolex sub or a new Rolex Oyster Perpetual and your sales advisor is not letting you uh, put your name on the waiting list, mm-hmm. my advice is just buy like five or six uh, day dates yeah. and gold bejeweled date just. And I think you'll get on the list. Oh, two-tone. Don't forget two-tone. Oh, two-tone. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because people love two-tone. Yeah. They love two-tone. Yeah, two-tone is, is the best. Why have why have one tone when you can have two? Yeah, and for, for the same matter, three tones. The the more tones, the better. The more tones, the better. And on that bit of uh, consumer advice, I think we'll end our podcast for today. Uh, we'll see you guys in the next episode where we'll discuss something. We'll discuss something that we might have talked about today, or a, maybe. Maybe some other reputable watch brand makes another release and we feel the need to to uh, regurgitate our opinions upon the unsuspecting public. And I guess we may or may not have a guest for that. Yes. Yeah. Okay. And on that note, see you guys later. Bye. Bye.